Hello and welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW streaming to the greater Puget Sound region and CHD TV. So potentially around the globe. Uh, welcome. Um, as you can see, I'm not in my usual space. I'm here at the home of AJ DePriest, who's going to be my co-host and guest. She's on an important phone call right now, but she'll be joining us here in a few minutes. Um, it's exciting to be here. There's always so many good events going on in the state of Tennessee, and, and I know a lot of other states as well. People are mobilizing. You know, it's taken us about three years to figure out what action steps can we take um, to begin to get control of our communities back, to help each other, to right things that we see go, going wrong. Um, but all of that is beginning to happen. I am very excited about so many good possibilities. Um, this is not a summer to rest, although I hope people do take the time to get out there in nature and enjoy yourselves a bit. But, but really, it's time to be gearing up, having community. I'm here because we're going to be going to this great event um, near Nashville, uh, meeting with other individuals trying to figure out how we're going to work through a lot of stuff. And, and then here is AJ is here with me now. Hey, hey, thank you so much for, for hosting, uh, literally hosting us here today. It's such a pleasure. Yeah. It's such a pleasure. Um, so AJ, I will give when, after we do the uh, video that I'm going to play, I'm going to ask you more about yourself. So listeners who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before can learn more about you. I'll just give, um, listeners and viewers a little heads up. AJ DePriest is the woman who heads up this brilliant team who looked really closely at what the federal government was doing during COVID and especially at the financial incentives that were going out to the hospitals. And when people were unable to help their loved ones and the hospitals were telling them their hands were tied, we found out why she found out why that this amazing team found out why, and it was they were financially being incentivized to take certain steps. And if they only did the protocol that was incentivized, it literally added to their profits hundreds of thousands of dollars millions. per patient, mm -hmm. per patient, yeah, millions per mm -hmm. patient. Oh my God, she keeps finding more and more. <laughs> I don't know where yeah. the money's coming from. It's really crazy. Your pocket. Um, tax money your pocket yeah. yeah and um and on 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 top of what they're incentivizing you to do there's also this incentive we've never discussed where the federal government says that if your loved one died of covid they would pay up to nine thousand dollars for funeral mm -hmm. expenses mm -hmm. and so that's a whole other incentivizing of not challenging the death certificate or there are i've heard of individuals saying hey doc can you put covid on the death certificate so that i can get my love, you know, the funeral costs paid. But anyway, that is for our second hour. <clears throat> um, this first hour, uh, we're going to be playing for you uh, an interview I did two days ago with Professor Dr. Dana Flavin. She's an MD and an ND. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's one of the top integrative cancer doctors in the world. She's been researching for 40 plus years and studied with five doctoral disciplines. She studied chemistry, pharmacology, 
toxicology, biochemistry, and medicine, as well as becoming a naturopathic doctor. Um, Dr. Flavin has reversed many kinds of cancers in all stages in patients around the world. And she has also been working with Tess Lowry of Evidence-Based Medicine, and I'm sure you've heard of Mm -hmm, Tess. mm -hmm. Amazing work going on there and other colleagues um, working on detox prevention protocols for COVID and also looking into the COVID shot itself. Um, She has 58 semesters of education. She reads about 150 to 200 articles a week. She's one of those people that's a low achiever, can you tell? (laughs) Since 1979, her, her goals are to continue to save lives and get information out to her colleagues so they know what and why she gives what she gives to her patients. And then she started a nonprofit, the Foundation for Collaborative Medicine and Research. It's C-O-L-L-M-E-D.org, callmed.org. So in addition, Dr. Flavin was the top toxicologist at the FDA. She was an insider at the FDA and an advisor to the National Cancer Institute. Institute for decades. She continues to consult with colleagues internationally on complicated cancer cases. Dr. Flavin is working to get her book out, her life's work on cancer, um, and this has taken some time. She wants everyone to have access to the information they need to heal their cancers, especially those who may not be able to have a consultation with her. So, you know, I'm going to be bringing this video on here. This is going to be Dr. Dana Flavin. Um, and she's called the Cancer Whisperer. So with that, Eric, at uh, the studio, thank you for playing. Um, no, we don't have audio yet. Okay. There we go. Welcome, Dr. Flavin, to an Informed Life Radio. Thank you for being here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Bernadette, for all that you're doing to help the children and mankind. Oh, you know, it's just been, it's, it's teamwork, it's collaboration. And, you know, even though there's been so much harm done, I am so excited about how mankind, I'm feeling the shift. I'm feeling this groundswell of, of truth and real health and healing all rising up and joining together across the globe. I think it's very exciting. And now you're an American citizen, right? But you're currently in another country. Where are you right now? Well, right now I'm in Wimbledon and I don't even play tennis. So um, I'm in the wrong (laughs) place at the wrong time. Um, I was in Germany and also Ireland. So I've been licensed in Germany and I'm licensed in Ireland. uh, But I have patients all over the world who are telemedicine. Yeah. So what I, I love about like your background and what you kind of bring to where we are in the world today is your integrative approach. You're, you come from, you understand the current medical system. You, you worked for, it was for the FDA, correct? Yes, right. Um, right. And, so, and, and you understand Western diagnostics and and even some of the western medicines but then you integrate it with the best of the natural world and the natural healing and repurpose drugs so i feel like if if the world needs to move in this direction of this collaboration and dialogue from all works of health um and you've sort of embodied that 
And so I applaud you for <laughs> embodying that. <laughs> well, thank you. Actually, they put me in as professor now in Marconi University in Rome, um, where we do uh, we do actually some teaching through their through their university for their students for integrative medicine. <clears throat> and I I basically started out as a pharmacologist. And when I started to see that some of the inhibitors that were related to cancer were actually natural, I almost fainted. <laughs> I was like, what? That can't be. And the more I looked at it, the more I realized that you can, I've, I've helped reverse cancers that just with natural stuff. And then I've had others that we apply off-label drugs with it to enhance the efficacy if necessary. And then I have seen actually that um, sometimes combining uh, specific Western oncology with uh, natural sub substances and natural products, you can enhance the efficacies, downregulate the side effects, and it's, it's the best of both worlds. And I, I, I hear you loud and clear. When I was at FDA, I started a book on cancer. I was by then a pharmacologist, and I studied toxicology at FDA. And when I came to a chapter on one of the most important enzymes in DNA synthesis, it turned out that vitamin A inhibited it. And I'm like, no, no, this can't be. This is a vitamin. A vitamin can't do anything. It's just a vitamin. And I didn't realize <laughs> until the more I went into it, the more I started to look at if there were a drug on the market that was new and successful in, in cancer or other things. I will also reverse autoimmune diseases and I've cured um, mononucleosis, uh, Epstein-Barr virus, hepatosplenomegaly in children in 24 to 48 hours. And it's published in the New Zealand Medical Journal, but it's all natural. So no, no one was interested because they were waiting for the new drug to come from the drug companies. And I said, yeah. I've already reversed it. And it takes, it takes between three weeks. Well, actually 24 hours to 36 hours were, were average. Um, and 48 hours was the longest that it took to cure these kids. So, so I, I, repeat, repeat what it is that you were able to treat in the children, what? Uh, the children had um, uh, mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr virus, and their spleens were enlarged and they were ready to burst. It, the most common cause of death in, in mononucleosis is a ruptured spleen. Mm. And these were little children. These were children that were, um, well, most of them were under, under seven. Some of them were a little bit older, 14 maybe or, or 15, um, and and they all reversed within two days. And it it just it blew my mind. It floored me. And it, the thing is, I've been working on these mechanisms for decades, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they all fell together. And it was an, it was quite amazing. I, I then found out the toxicity in Epstein-Barr virus or mononucleosis is the same toxicity that we have with HIV. It's the same toxicity that we have with 5G. And mm. um, it is basically reduced by increasing the glutathione and blocking some of the enzymes that increase a toxic product called peroxynitrite. Mm. And, and this, this was a real surprise for me that, I mean, the body's very, very practical. They don't need to have new toxicities and new forms of enzymes for every disease. Um, most of them are about the same. So what we're finding is there were two major enzymes associated with toxicity in HIV that caused the lymphocytes to lice. And my roommate at the time was working with Bob Gallo um, at National Cancer Institute. And she would come home and say, every time I put the HIV into a, into a, a, a lymphocyte, it explodes. It just lices under the microscope. 
And it wasn't for decades, really, that I realized, oh my God, this is peroxynitrite. This is that same toxicity. So as I saw that, I realized, wow, this is, I tried to uh, see if Luc Magnier can, can work on this with me. I published uh, some of this, it's uh, put out on my website, but the um, mononucleosis treatment that, that came out in um, uh, New Zealand Medical Journal, actually, believe it or not, 1994. I mean, I, what were research. some of the components of, of the treatment? Well, that was interesting. There's one enzyme called xanthine oxidase, and it generates an oxygen radical, okay? And, the, and it combines with another enzyme called inducible nitric oxide synthase. That's, that's the main one. There's a couple of other ones, too, that play around with it. They're not as important. And the inducible nitric oxide synthase generates a special form of nitric oxide. It's real fast-acting, combines with that oxygen radical from xanthine oxidase, and whammo, you've got peroxynitrite. So am I correct in remembering that nitric oxide is also being found to be a good treatment for SARS-CoV-2, for COVID-19? And is it like what's found in beets? Is that the... Oh, that's a good question. There are, there are three major forms of nitric oxide. One of them is inducible nitric oxide synthase. That's toxic. The other one is endothelial nitric oxide synthase. And that's the one that, that dilates blood vessels and cuts down inflammation and has anti-inflammatory properties. In fact, even aspirin will generate nitric oxide and help to cut down on, on uh, viral infections. So these are the things that I was looking at, but I did something really simple. I looked for what was natural because I knew that the drugs that were on the market for xanthine oxidase could in some situations during their metabolism create more toxicity. So I didn't want to take that chance with children. So I ended up using cherry extract. Cherry extract will block the xanthine oxidase. I mean, it's all in nature. I, I'm so surprised at this stuff. So cherry extract will block that. And then for the, for the um, nitric oxide, I actually used um, vitamin B3, nicotinamide, because that is an inhibitor of that. And I, I don't know what foods would have that in it right now, except maybe beans. But for the most part, I use the, the nicotinamide, and that worked fantastically. I did throw in a few extra tricks, like zinc, which increases your um, efficacy of interferon. And I use licorice root, which I only use for a short period of time, but I only needed it for a short period of time anyway. That increases the release of interferon, okay? There are other things that cause the release of interferon, but that caused the release of interferon and the zinc enhanced the efficacy uh, or the, the activity of interferon tenfold, tenfold. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. And so the kids were cured in 24 to 48 hours. And so when I, the wow. first child I cured was the son of one of the top directors for Essex Pharmaceuticals, who later, later went on to Novartis, and he couldn't believe it. He said, Dana, you saved my son's life. And I said, well, yeah, I know, but if you hadn't known what the devil I'm doing, you, you would not have applied it, because he was also a pharmacologist, and mm -hmm. he was a physician. So mm -hmm. it, it, it was, for me, incredible to think that nature had as much, if not more, to offer, because it had the efficacy um, or the activity to block the toxicity without having any negative effects. And I was like, wow, I wish we could send that to all our drugs. <laughs> usually they have a negative. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's and it's interesting to me, and maybe it's because you came from the side of, you know, science and medicine and pharmacology, that you're still astounded that nature 
is superior to what I'm still astounded. <laughs> I'm still astounded. We I, are, I, we're literally made of the components of creation, of the world, of life, of, of everything. So to me, it only makes sense that that this on this planet, something that the planet creates, that right. the earth um, would would uh, more naturally harmonize and heal oh, right something on. out of a lab. You know, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. And I mean, it is, I mean, it's something that we should love and be astonished with, but I don't think, um, you know, I mean, it only makes sense. To me, it only makes sense. And, well, and for, for them to discount, for them, for the other side, for the Fauci's of this world to stand at the podium and say, hide in your homes until we invent something is the most absurd thing ever. And, you know, I really want to flip the whole paradigm here. I want to flip the paradigm. And Dr. Gaeta, who's awesome, he's here, um, says um, in nature first, um, drugs last. Yeah. But we have to, as a nation, comprehend that healing is possible and, 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 you know, and not have idiots standing at the podium saying you're going to die if you don't wait for our drug companies to come up with something that we're going to indemnify, <laughs> right, right. you know, like you see, everything that you named, these things are good for many, many purposes, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Also gout, for example, cherry juice for gout yes. um, works beautifully against because it's blocking the uric acid. You know, mm -hmm. I can tell you the truth as a pharmacologist and, and now a physician, uh, which I did then later on, I was angry when I found out that, that nutrients could do this and that they, they had pharmacological mechanisms. And when I found out that certain herbs and spices and, and all of these different nutrients in our foods would, would, could heal. And, and I, was, I, I was angry. I was like, no, no, that's impossible. No, they can't be, they can't be. And as the years progressed and every time I was looking at a disease, I would find all these natural substances that would have the, the uh, efficacy against whatever the toxic enzymes were or toxic products were um, in, in reversing things. I mean, it, it, you look at some of the things with like natokinase, which opens up the blood vessels in the heart. It gets rid of the junk in the blood vessels. So your coronary artery disease goes away. I mean, these are things that, you know, I, I look at this. I remember at FDA when my my, my secretary said to me, why do you have to reference everything? I said, Gloria, if I sneeze, I have to reference it because I'm an oath to protect the American public. I had no idea then that protecting the American public would mean going out and eating the right foods, pulling the carrots out of the ground, uh, making metal tea, um, et cetera, et cetera, eating sage and, and you know, putting, putting all of these things that are important and have, they go back to our, our, our ancestors. I mean, they, I think, I hate to say this, but I think they knew better than any of our pharmaceutical companies because yeah. they know what to give. Well, I applaud you for making this amazing journey because as you could, you know, the way you describe it, it is a difficult journey when you're, when you're trained deep within the system that since the Rockefeller time, since the 1900s, before, even before that, there was this concerted effort to push medicine in a way that was completely controlled by the medical pharmacal 
you know, oh, sort yeah. of industry and to push those who believed in homeopathy and natural medicine and uh, push that aside, right? That model um, has taken a long time to try to come back. And in some countries, they did a better job of maintaining it and to continue to embrace it. But in the US, it, it sure, um, I mean, it became alternative medicine when it was the original medicine, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it became exactly. some, yeah, right? The ironies. Um, yeah, the irony. So let's, oh, there's so much to talk about. So little time. I can tell I'm going to have to have you back again. Let's talk about one of my favorite subjects. And I'm so glad that this is like a passion of yours. Let's talk about glutathione. Ah, actually, that is the topic of my first lecture at Marconi University in Rome. That's what um, Professor Fiorinelli asked me to talk about. And I've been looking at that for a very long time. And glutathione is a natural substance in our body made up of, of three amino acids, uh, uh, peptides actually. And one of them is cysteine, and one of them is glycine, and the other is glutamine. Okay, those are the three that go together. I even have drawings. I, I have a PowerPoint on it. If you want, I'll send it off to you because I did it for the university. But this is where the glutathione, and this is where like Stephanie Seno from MIT is talking about sulfa. And sulfa being cysteine um, and alpha lipoic acid and methionine and all of these, which are what I used in those children to help, help put them into total remission in 24 to 48 hours. And this is something where I realized over the years, um, in fact, back in 1990, 1992, when I was, I was collaborating with Erwin um, Friedovich, uh, who was in North Carolina working on oxygen radicals. And when I started seeing glutathione as a reducing agent to cut down these, these radicals to protect our cells and to protect us, nerves also, I began to realize, wow, this is really important. And I just thought, oh, well, we just synthesize it from our foods and so on. Okay, that's good news. The more recent bad news that is actually knocking my socks off is that we're seeing that there are certain substances that some are nano, usually nano, and they're in many things. They're in the water, they're in the chemtrails, um, they're, they, they're in, in the um, vaccines. And what we're seeing is that they are actually inactivating these sulfites. And I'm trying to get someone right now to test his vitamin D sulfation, which is the active form of vitamin D in the body. And it's, it's the water soluble form, is that inactivated in, in humans because we know how important it is to fight viral infections. But regardless, the glutathione is imperative also for, um, for protecting against viral infections and protecting against 5G. Oh yeah, it's, it is so exciting um, uh, what it can do. I, I wanna back up a bit where you said that there are nano, which is, is that you know, tiny, tiny size particulates, you know, uh, in, in many different forms coming from many areas environmentally, right. you're saying that are preventing us from properly synthesizing glutathione and maybe vitamin D. Is that what you were saying? Is that well, there's, there's two, two things that are playing a role here. One is glyphosates. Okay. That's good old Roundup. Good right. old Roundup is, is actually inactivating our, our glycine. That's work from Stephanie Senef at MIT. And that's knocking out glycine. And uh, that's part of these, these three um, peptides that go into to glutathione. And the other is that what I was reading recently was the glutathione 
um, uh, needs needs sulfites. Okay, and when I saw that nanographene in the soil inactivated sulfites. And I, that's why I'm trying to get somebody to test to see, are we messing up our vitamin D3 also? Because mm. we know we're messing up the, the glutathione. That's, that's, that's already shown and published. There's no surprise there. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's everywhere. And, and the, the graphene is weird because it appears to get into plants. It's coming from chemtrails. It's in the earth. It's in, it's in, our, it's in the food. It's in the water. We don't even know where it is. I have a friend who's with her husband's with the military. She has four little children and they've never been jabbed. They don't have a vaccine. None of the children, not the husband even, and not the wife. She had spoons sticking to her body. She um, what? Sticking to her body. like Oh, the, oh the, the magnet thing. Okay. She wasn't jabbed. <clears throat> She doesn't know where it came from, and I said, "Oh my God, it must be the water." So we got her on um, we got her on some uh, NAC and acetylcysteine to increase her endogenous glutathione, and eventually the spoons wouldn't stick to it. But she said even her four-year-old daughter was showing this, and I'm like, "Wow, this is really strange. We'll have to run out with with magnets all the time and see what foods are contaminated and which ones aren't." And is that only a man-made substance, graphene oxide? Is it, is it available in that form in nature? Is it something that has to be refined by man? Like, like aluminum, you right. never find aluminum by itself in nature. It's always bound with, with silica. It's inert. Right. But mankind right. liberated aluminum and used it for things, and now we've completely polluted the entire planet. That's a good question. I haven't dug into the, the depths of, of, of graphene in, in the soil. I don't think it is in the soil. I think it's man-made, but, but maybe I'm wrong. I have to look it up. I do know it's, it's, it's magnetic, um, mm -hmm. and, and they've, they've actually shown contamination of all sorts of things with with showing magnets, you know, pulling off this black stuff, you know, yeah. like, oops, yeah. where is it? We don't even, we don't even know where it is. It's a, it's a very weird substance. Um, it's got some great advantages uh, in, um, I would say, in computers, in um, computer activity. The nanoparticles can actually start forming um, natural, well, not natural, but they starts forming like a chain reaction where they bind together and they make little antennae, okay? And that's, that's what they were doing at Johns Hopkins University. That was quite interesting because they would automatically bind together on their own. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It's like it attracts it and attracts into making these, these like nanotubules that can transmit information if they're fed information. Now, if you're working on a computer, that's cool, that's great. But if you're talking about a human being, I'm not real happy about this because we don't know everything about what's going on here. And yeah. I, I, it's like, every time I find something new, I'm like, oh no, now what? You know, yeah. what, how do we protect ourselves? That's where we've got to get this stuff out of the body. And that's where I use spirulina, spirulina. or sometimes chlorella or sometimes mm -hmm. zeolite. Um, they should be given like like late at night or real early in the morning because I try to make sure that it's not with anything else because the stuff binds onto everything, but it binds onto the heavy metals. And for that reason, it's perfect to get rid of any um, graphene or, or aluminum in the body, but you may have to make sure that you're getting your trace minerals during the day. 
And that does not always come from food. You, you need uh, either fulvic acid or shilagulate, which comes from the Himalayas. It's got everything in it that you need in the world, probably. Um, and extra magnesium, because you'll be pulling that out also. So you're getting, you're getting a few of the good guys out with the bad, um, which, and which is why it's important that you, you take uh, like fulvic acid or trace mineral mixture during the day. And I, I'm finding that we all need this. And it isn't just somebody who has been um, given a, a jab of some sort or any vaccine of any sort. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so mm -hmm. what uh, they used to use was um, they would use coriander in the morning and chlorella in the afternoon. That was that was some of the older uh, detox stuff. I'm I'm hitting it hardcore right now with with the zeolite. Uh, because zeolite will bind onto everything and it pulls it out of the body. But again, you must make sure you get your trace minerals and your, and your magnesium back again. So I'm using it on, on everybody. I'm taking it myself. I mean, I'll, I'll wake up at two or three in the morning, um, maybe head off to the bathroom, go into the kitchen, grab my zeolite and, you know, mix it up with some, some filtered water. I filter all my water through a, a, a good filter uh, that I know gets fluoride out of it. And I know it gets, it gets all the chemicals junk out of it because we've got so much contamination in our water now and the fluoride in our water is messing up our pineal gland and our pineal gland is responsible for melatonin and that helps protect against cancer so you look at all this stuff and you think wow wait a minute you know yeah. I, I never thought we'd have to live defensively um but we do and we have to be we have to be aware and informed for our own health uh, for our children and for our families so much work to do, um, but it's very exciting to know that we have at hand tools already, even as you and some of the other brilliant doctors and scientists across the world continue to um, to explore and develop new ways to detoxify and heal. Um, there are things we can do now. So you mentioned spirulina, uh, chlorella, the um, zeolite. zeolite um, and um, I've talked with my um, listeners before and had people on talking about many of those things, as well as intermittent fasting as a, a detox method, exercise, um, exercise um, you know, and I, I try, you know, an HBOT, which I love, but I, I like to sort of emphasize those things that the average person can do um, right. easily incorporate in their daily habit um, right. to so um so yeah glutathione is huge and i thought it was really interesting at the beginning of covid within the first couple of months i thought it was amazing that at amazon they sold out very quickly of the highest quality n-acetylcysteine nac the highest quality vitamin d the you know the best of the zincs and the c's because already there were people who knew what to go get Right. if a viral infection is going around. And then the only thing left would be these weird off brands for a while until the stock came back in. And then the FDA moved now. Um, I, I forget how long it took them, but it didn't take them too long to begin to say, well, we might make NAC not available anymore because that's really a drug, not a supplement. Um, they started going after the things that, that were helping people. And it's like, you know, and obviously that only serves pharma. It doesn't serve humankind at all. NAC has been available as a supplement 
for right. I don't know a very long time. <laughs> it's it's basically cysteine that has a special um, acetyl group on it that merely helps it to absorb. It that's all it does. It helps it to absorb. Yeah. But I, I actually have it in a, in a patent for an antiviral patent based on curing all those little children with um, Epstein Barr virus, and it works in hepatitis. And this is this is right now oh. sitting in Canada, and we're waiting for NAC to get official approval again because the company doesn't want to put this out and i thought this is this is something that will help with every single virus whether it's an adenovirus which appears mm -hmm. to be being shed by some of these people that are jabbed or whether or not it's any other virus that's floating around it's imperative and so i'm hoping that we can get this moving right away and i've asked several people that are are involved in some of the the government's uh and legal cases to try and protect NAC to get it get it back and get it on the market because this is crazy. I mean, I, I yeah. we, we need sulfur. Okay, but that's it. That's in garlic, believe it or not. Okay, yeah. So yeah, um, everything in the onion garlic family is your sulfur um, yeah. foods, right? Okay. Isn't that right. amazing? God knew this mm -hmm. before we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're being informed. And we're no. learning that the nature's no. got it too, but but the thing is, and for example, you've got selenium, which is also important. It's part of the glutathione from yeah. oxidase. That's the enzyme. Selenium is in Brazil nuts, by the way, and yes. usually, usually in garlic also. Yeah, and, yet, and it doesn't take a lot, you know, two Brazil nuts, um, right. five walnuts. Um, I forget what you, I think that's mostly magnesium. for the omega acids, magnesium. Right. Um, you know, it really is amazing how how the earth, how creation provides what we need. Our, the biggest issue we have is that medicine is now an industry. Right. And anything that doesn't create a profit is now being maligned or restricted. And we have got to take the future of humanity. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the future of humanity is at stake here. Um, and I, but I, but I believe that people are waking up to this capture of our health by the medical pharmaceutical industry, the capture of our government, capture of our public health um, systems. So hepatitis, we are hearing right now of a lot of outbreaks of hepatitis, especially in children. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that scared the daylights out of me when I saw that because these children were not were not um, jabbed. They weren't vaccinated. Um, their parents may have been. And um, one of my colleagues says, Dr. Merrick says that he thinks it's a um, a com combination adenovirus. It's sort of like a mutant uh, adenovirus. Now, in in the in the vaccines, there's an adenovirus, but the in the J and J one. In the J and J shot. Yeah, but the no children matter. didn't get it. The children right. didn't, didn't get it. So they must be getting it from shedding is the only thing I can think of. Now, here's the other thing that I'm looking at with the children that is is kind of, how can I put this? As a physician, do no harm, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh my God, what are we doing? The children are getting for fevers, um, paracetamol, which lowers oh. glutathione. It yeah. lowers oh. glutathione. So I'm using belladonna uh, homeopathic belladonna in the children for fevers, and it's helping very, very much so. Um, and this is the the other thing that we're seeing is that, um, first of all, they are now spraying, and maybe they've been doing this for longer than I even realized, they're spraying oats 
with um, uh, glyphosates with to to dry them, to dry mm -hmm. them, and yeah. they're spraying the wheat uh, yeah. a few days before they mow it down to make bread from it. They're right. spraying that too, and that is a huge problem because that is also lowering the glutathione. Yes. So what I'm seeing, what it appears is these children do not have an endogenous natural system to detox themselves because it's been it's been destroyed by the chemicals mm -hmm. and it's been destroyed by by you know what what they're getting. So this yeah. is this is a whole yeah. Um, paracetamol, acetaminophen, Tylenol, whatever name you want to give it. Um, you know, I've been an advocate for years for getting that off the shelf, should not right. be OTC, should be black labeled, black box labeled, you know, because it, it is so dangerous. It, it makes zero sense that ivermectin, one of the safest drugs on the planet, is not available over the counter to anybody um, to use. It is here in Tennessee now uh, with um, consultation from a pharmacist. If they, if the pharmacy has entered the agreement, we passed a law this year, I'm very excited about. But um, yeah, so many people, in fact, a couple of years ago, I called up a coroner because he had been interviewed. There was a teen girl who had died of the flu and he was interviewed and he said, no, she did not take an overdose of Tylenol. So I wanted to ask him what he meant by this top, what, by that remark. And he said, he said, um, she took a standard dose of Tylenol. And, but what happened was because sometimes the flu can impair liver function. Right. Her, her liver was temporarily not able to work as well as it should because of the flu. And so that, that standard dose of Tylenol was recirculating and, and became toxic. And I said, if she had not taken Tylenol, do you think she would have survived the flu? And he said, yes, most likely. But it was still put down as a flu death, not a Tylenol death. I mean, why aren't we having these warnings here? And then, so any child, you know, who comes down with a fever to give them Tylenol, and it's like, just, it should not be, it should be discouraged. It should not be what, but pediatricians are telling mothers and fathers to to do this it is so crazy to you me. can cut down inflammation also with things like resveratrol resveratrol blocks a few of the interleukins that are that are toxic mm -hmm. um and resveratrol is an excellent one there there are so many things that cherry juice and uh, resveratrol many many of these these natural compounds have anti-inflammatory properties and you know as as an FDA official, I, I was the, the um, science assistant to the associate bureau director for toxicology at FDA. And I look at this stuff and, with horror, not just as a toxicologist, but as a physician and mm -hmm. as a pharmacologist. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, we're, we're, what we're not doing is we're not going back to the drawing board and looking at mechanisms. And we're not looking at what, what are the other parameters that are involved here. And just to mark it as, you know, X death from this virus or whatever is absurd when you start to realize that the ability of the body to fight diseases is being slowly destroyed. Yes, it really is. And um, I'm, I'm just so glad to have you on this program. We've got about five more minutes here. So I would like to spend this time with you providing some information for hope and healing and then making sure everybody knows your website address. And I'll make sure I, I provide the link to that as well. 
So, you know, what can the individuals do now to empower themselves to um, protect themselves and their children? Well, A, they're going to have to detox. B, organic foods to keep away from the glyphosates, etc. Uh, C, filter their water. It's very important. Shut your Wi-Fi's off at night. Uh, make sure you have, have that done. And if your children get sick, don't give them paracetamol. Don't give them any of the acetaminophen or any of these others that will deplete your glutathione. You need to get your glutathione up. And that's where the NAC is extremely helpful. Um, in some viruses, actually, I've given methionine. And methionine works as well as NAC um, for viral diseases. Okay, so I often give that, except I don't use it in my cancer patients because I don't want the methyl groups. It's a methylation. So in some cancers, they methylate, so you don't want to do that. But in children, the methionine actually helped to reverse um, a child that had been ill for five weeks, I think it was. His father was a physician. And um, we used methionine instead of NAC in that particular case. It didn't really make any difference because it was a sulfa. And it, that child was cured in, in 36 hours. And I said, 36 hours? What took so long? <laughs> he said, well, the one drug came the next day, and that was a methionine. So how do you, could you, could you spell methionine? I already put you on the spot with spelling, right? And right, is that something you get in a supplement? Yeah, M-E-T-H-I-O-N-I-N-E, methionine. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's one I haven't really delved into, so I'm excited. Well, to MS, MSM's got it in it. MSM. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so you know you see it in 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 certain uh, uh, supplements and so on that that it's in there. Um, as far as natural sources of methionine, I don't have to think about that for a while because I can't remember it. I know the NAC is much easier because I've been working with it for so many years. Yeah. Uh, but this this is but you're right you're right this is something where what can they do they can they can filter the water but you know, normal filter that, you know, one that stands on the counter is not good enough. You really need a good one. You've got to get that fluoride out of that water. Um, fluoride will turn you into a vegetable. That's what they use in the concentration camps to make everyone docile. And so by putting it in the water, everyone is like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like, what are you on? Oh, just water. Okay. <laughs> but that, that, but that's, that's messing up that fluoride. It's messing up our pineal gland. And our pineal gland, without our pineal gland working properly, um, we have a huge problem with melatonin. And that's anti-cancer. Plus, it helps your sleep, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you, we've got, these are things that are really important. And, you, and then, you know, shut, shut off your Wi-Fi at night. Don't let the children run around with their cell phones on their head. This is where mm -hmm. in, in Israel, we saw parotid tumors with the children holding their cell phones on their, he, on their head. And the parotid gland is right here. And they had tumors. We had in the very beginning, we had girls that were keeping their little square cell phones in their bra. And they had tumors that were shaped just like the cell phone. So we know, and we know it can cause red blood cells to glom together. So mm -hmm. if you're in any situation where you've got an additional clotting, we'll go into maximum detail here, but you know as well as I do with additional clotting factors, if you're using a cell phone on your head, you can expect to have some sort of an emboli in your head. And if you keep it in your breast pocket, expect it in your lungs or, or on the left side in your heart. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is also things we're seeing that we're seeing more and more of this. We knew that heart attacks were often caused in the early days from cell phones being put in the breast pocket over the mm. heart. And this is something where, you know, as, as also as a toxicologist, I'm like, okay, 
um, you know, be wary of all sorts of electromagnetic fields because they're not innocent. I've been researching physics for the past, oh God, four, five, six years and looking at the mechanisms involved in physics and in frequencies and so on and so forth. And it's like some frequencies can heal and some frequencies can kill. In fact, mm -hmm. Tesla was one. Tesla made a, a death wave, a death ray, yeah. believe it or not. That was the only book I didn't buy from him because I said, <laughs> you know what? I don't think I want to know this. I mean, you know what? Maybe I should have just to see, okay, well, how's it working with the frequencies? But this yeah. is something that, you know, we know that frequencies can manipulate. We already, they're already doing this. Um, um, there's a huge search engine site. I shan't mention the name, but the guy that's in charge of the artificial intelligence there, what's he researching? He's researching out which frequencies will give you pleasure, joy, anger, etc., yeah. etc. So you can manipulate just by watching or searching for something where a frequency can be played. And yeah. this is also, I found this out from the CIA, that they have frequencies they can send out from satellites to make you aggressive, make you depressed, make you passive, make you angry, whatever they want. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this is like tremendous spirit ghost, right? It, <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like sci-fi, but the technology is there. You can go find it. It's, it's openly available. And when we think about it, we are energetic creatures. When you look at ourselves with a high powered microscope, the closer you look, the more you get down to nothing but energy. So it makes so much sense that anything that can impact our energy, you know, um, is capable of messing us up or helping us. And so, yeah, that's, that's a whole, that'd be a great show. I, all I about energetic medicine. What I've been working on. Yeah, and then we, and I've got like 30 this, seconds here. Then we're going to have to go. Okay. Oh, I can't see it. It's blurry. Okay. It's not see it now? Focusing. No, no. But, you know, right. if you email that to me, right. then I, I will um, put it up on it's, the screen a bit it's later. Basically, showing that frequencies in DNA circle, okay, and mm -hmm. they create scalar waves and they are infinite, instantaneous messaging from our DNA to anything to the to the universe but wow. we also there's a recent paper on this with vortexes from a colleague of mine professor vitiello and that is showing how the heart is a vortex instantaneously connected to the brain and they they weren't they weren't sure how and i i sent him my summary and said this is how it's working and i know that they uh, professor vitiello said dana you must be a uh, intuitive but there's a no way you're gonna know all this and i'm like well, I, can't help it. I just do i know it and then i yeah. read it to read and read to back it all up but the yeah. thing is you know i would say any recommendation without scientific background with, with background without proof um without mechanisms it's it's just hearsay and this is mm -hmm. why we need to bring back real science because what we're seeing yeah. now published in some of the top journals are unfortunately not true science right i i agree with you a hundred percent and um, I, with that, we're going we're gonna to have to end this, but it's been so exciting meeting you, um, hearing just a little bit, tip of the iceberg. So I hope you will agree to come on the show again, and maybe we'll take one of these little fascinating things that we, we discussed today and, and, you know, provide more depth. And um, so I appreciate all of this, all of the good work you're doing. And I mean, you said something's coming up in August in Europe. 
that some right. of the, the top doctors. So maybe we'll get a report back from that. Um, right. So, um, so Dr. Flavin, again, thank you for being on an Informed Life Radio. You stay safe. <laughs> oh, you stay safe too. And God bless you for what you're doing because we need to all work together. Um, and if we don't work together, there won't be mankind anymore. And I said, you know, the most important word in mankind is kind. Oh, I love. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And we don't want to stress people out. You gave a lot of good information, a lot of things that lifestyle people might need to change. But right. the most important thing is go out there, walk barefoot in the grass, hug your children, love, laugh, like joy, you know, like a tree, like a, hug tree. a tree. Yeah. It regulates electromagnetic field. Yeah. You don't have to change all at once, but just begin to learn and remember to, to just love and laugh and, and back to nature. I'm going to that humankind. I love that. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Mankind is kind. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Flavin. Until next time. Okay, Bernadette, thank you, and God bless you for all you're doing. Wow, wasn't she amazing? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're back from that recorded interview, Hug a Tree. She's so <laughs> wonderfully brilliant and poised and well-spoken. And, and warm. And, and warm, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then the, I just, like, the, you know, where I, okay, listen to me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> You're, so, I think you're glomming. <laughs> yeah, I am. It's like, because I interviewed her a couple of days ago and heard it, of course, that time. And now I just re-listened to it. And I learned again, because she gives so much, all these little sound bites. And I'm not sure how I, if I even heard the first time, she's describing why hugging a tree scientifically is so, so healing and grounding and good for your energy. And I mean, we could probably do a whole show on hugging trees, you know, Let's do it. you know, the science, the spirituality, the history, you know. It sounds like a field trip in the making. It does. Bring the camera. We'll go hug some I, trees. I think we should do in that. In Montana. In yeah. Montana. No, I'm I, I'm staying in Tennessee. Let's let's do it here. I, we got plenty of trees here. <laughs> yeah. So it's just so much good stuff. Um, I wanted to just review before the break. Um some of the things that she talked about, no cell phones in your bra. And I would say no cell phones, try not to keep them anywhere close on your body. Um, I was telling you that I've got one of those um, Faraday pouches that, you know, can block the, the EMFs. And so sometimes if I want my phone on, like I'm taking a walk, but I want to make sure I get phone calls is I will put that pouch. I won't put the phone in the pouch, but I'll put it like in my purse or whatever I'm wearing um, and put that just between my body and the phone to give a little bit of a barrier. So there's just, there's probably a lot of little things that can be done to add that extra layer of protection. I think that is, I think humans are not ever going to want to give up the convenience of phones. I don't know. I'd like to. And energy, you know, the, the Wi-Fi. I mean, look at how we can communicate yeah. here. This is because of things that are both right. wonderful and potentially dangerous, but we can learn how to use them smarter. We mm -hmm. can learn how to use them uh, more safely. So that was so fantastic. And glutathione, I just, you know, I love anybody who loves and knows about glutathione. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. Mm -hmm. And um, when this show and Inform Life Radio first started, um, I had Dr. Ted Fogarty on quite a few times, and I just recently had him on again. He's one of my perennial favorites. 
And he was the one one who really first opened me up to all the beauty of glutathione mm -hmm. and the fact that Tony Fauci himself knew in the 1980s from his own research that glutathione shuts down viral replication for all viruses. So he was looking at HIV. Did we hear about this? No. Did they tell us from there's the no federal level? You there's know, a, there's no money. In it. Um, no, but he, he no. did create then this product. Uh, it's called purple powder or, um, something North Dakota counter COVID-19 countermeasures. Um, I call it Fogarty's formula hmm. and we've got it on our website because he shares the formula. It's the three amino acids that make up that your body uses to make glutathione, spirulina powder, mm -hmm. beet powder, mm -hmm. and a little lemon powder. And you have the right ratio, you mix it up and then you just take a little scoop and you let it dissolve in your mouth. And it's just pure energy for yourselves. And it's, your body actually cr creates glutathione from that? Yes. Yeah. That's how it normally makes ah. it is with those. You, and you get it in your food. Yeah. But the limiting one is usually that cysteine component. You mm -hmm. use it up, you burn it up, and a lot of things destroy it. Um, and cooking can destroy it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a lot like in eggs, but if you cook them till they're hard, you're destroying most of it. So you want runny egg yolks and, yeah. and then you want healthy eggs. And yeah, so there's just a lot there. And um, yeah, just so many good things that she touched on such good work. So I'll give um, listeners here one more time. It's callmed.org, C-O-L-L-M-E-D.org. You can go look her up, read more. She's got a lot of stuff posted on her website, and she is also available for consultation. Wow. You can sign up and, and have a, a consultation with her about your own medical issue. Um, so I do look forward to having her on the show, um, again, because she's just a wealth of knowledge. Oh, and I hear the music here. So it, um, we are going to take, um, a short break and when we get back, AJ and I are going to take a deep dive on federal money causing harm and then give some suggestions of what we can all do, um, for change. So we'll be right back. You've been listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM, KKNW. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it healthcare, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. 
www.healthyimmunity.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me love. We need a revolution. Where are we? Hello, there we are. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHD TV. I'm here with AJ DePriest and, you know, we're talking and chatting about this and that. And I, I forgot we were about to come back on the radio. It's it's very funny. Um, so I loved our guest, uh, Dr. Oh, Dana Flavin. Wow. Um, she is so brilliant. I'm so pleased to get to know her. I met her through a wonderful woman named Denise who works with her. And she is here in Tennessee. Wow, I think she's really? in the Nashville area. And she also told me she's a singer. And once in a while, I like to bring a singer on this show. And it's been too long. So Denise, if you're listening, um, I'm going to have to have you on and, and, uh, and thank you for that introduction to Dr. Flavin. She is a treasure. Yeah. Yeah. That was enjoyable. Very informative. So. Yeah. I just can't get over how warm she is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to meet doctors who, who are, are that brilliant and they're so clinical, but they're also such human beings. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to choose between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's the best of both. And one of my favorite things that she said was that when she found out that nutrients and vitamins had pharmacological properties and could heal, she was angry, mm-hmm. you know, she was angry because this is not what she was being told. And here all this time, these beautiful molecules existed that, that came from creation, from God, whatever your belief system, were right there. And she said they they can do the job and they don't have the toxic side effects often. I mean, you know, they, if you use things in, in powerful quantities, um, you do have to be careful. But yeah, what a, what a treasure she is. So, so this hour... AJ, um, let's start with you telling listeners who are new to you about your organization and what you do. Liberty Network, Tennessee Liberty Network, is a small independent think tank here in Tennessee. Uh, Probably the most uh, original thing about us is that uh, we're not funded. We're all volunteers. There are 28 of us and um, no one gets paid. We don't take or raise money. Um, We're not a 501. We don't have a bank account. We're not part of any other organization. Uh, Nobody tells us what to research. And I think that's probably, that was by design from day one, is that we didn't want anyone to tell us, here's an outcome, do research and go in that direction to produce that outcome. Um, Our goal from day one was to just follow money, mostly follow federal money, 
federal COVID money into our state, which then led to looking at it into other states and um, and just see where that money was going and if it was helping or hurting. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And so we started looking at the education system first and what's going on in schools and tying that, um, you know, that emergency relief secondary mm-hmm. school money mm-hmm. to requirements from the ARP Act, which is the American Rescue Plan Act that Biden signed in March. And, um, you know, the CARES Act and the CRRSA Act released ESSER 1 and 2 money. And it, and it was it was pretty good for education, bad for health care, but very good for education. And um, it wasn't until the ARP Act was signed in March of 2021 that we started noticing what schools were doing to kids crazy things, the social emotional learning, trying to put mental health clinics in schools, um, the masking, the, the, you know, the Mm -hmm. isolation, the quarantine. Mm -hmm. So we, we decided to just search in that direction. And what we discovered was that, you know, schools were getting money to comply with these things. It really is a dangerous thing um, to kind of scroll on one of the points you made. In my view, it's a very dangerous thing to have our schools begin to be medical clinics. Yeah. There's just so much that can go wrong and so much out of the parental control. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not putting naturopathic clinics in there. You know, everything is the, you know, the, the standard medicine, which I do not practice. And many families do not practice and to have schools should be there to educate. And, um, yeah. And so the whole, the more they move to being this all-inclusive babysitter, we move more toward you just, what, you drop them off when they're six and you pick them up when they're 18? Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and then what are you going to get back when they, when you get them back at 18? Yeah. Are they going to be a boy or a girl or, oh, yeah. you know, a dinosaur? I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no telling these days. Right. You know, we need schools to go back to being schools and teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, you know, other things or other, if people need help for their children, for other aspects of their lives, Mm -hmm. the community can come forward. There are other more appropriate places, you know, don't put it in the schools and make the schools be because then it's especially healthcare decisions. Yes. Because what we're seeing now, uh, when we first started looking into this in the beginning of 2021, uh, we saw the requirements in the ARP Act But now we're starting to see across the country states taking those requirements and codifying them into laws. Colorado, for instance, Colorado passed laws that um, that basically put school based health clinics in schools and they're allowed to give all of the vaccinations, the HPV, the covid shot, every kind of vaccination to children 12 and up without knowledge and consent. Mm. Yes. And mm. then we're finding that um, that they're now codifying into law in various states, um, like Colorado, for one, um, giving psychotherapy to kids without parental knowledge mm. or consent. And even kids who want to go to college before they can get their religious or medical exemption, they have to go through what's called a re-education module. Mm. And that's the, their words, yeah. re-education, re-education module, module. Yeah, before yeah. they can get their their exemption for college. And that's the kind of things that those are the kind of things we're seeing mm-hmm. that came from the ARP Act, mm-hmm. went through the requirements to the schools, and now states are actually 
codifying those into laws. Yeah. And so, you know, Tennessee is, well, with our, you know, super majority of trans publicans, um, it's coming. So we have to stop that. We have to mobilize and, and stop that from happening. And I think education is the key um, because when those who support bringing, say, the medicine and all these different things into the schools, they paint a very good picture. They First, they paint a dark picture. There's all the, there's a lot of kids, a lot of poor kids. Mm-hmm. They don't have good access to medical care. And here, but they come to school every day, and we've got this opportunity to help the children. I mean, they make it sound really good. So we as parents... Um, and, and, and where we can see where this heads and the dark side of it, we have to go in and explain to them why it's a bad idea. I mean, if you want to support funding for something that supports mental health for children, there are appropriate places, mm-hmm. medical facilities, mm-hmm. you know, public health departments, that, that right? That the parents choose. That the parents right. choose. I mean, and if you want to help fund some of those, mm-hmm. um, you know, look at that, but don't make schools. And so, yeah, a lot of education um, has to happen. And, you know, if we could find that common ground of we want to make sure kids who are having issues Mm -hmm. get the help they need, right? But we need to find a way that doesn't undermine parental rights and that doesn't harm the child and especially does not put a minor child even if the law says they can make this decision, a 12-year-old is not, not mature enough to make this decision. Most 16-year-olds aren't. No, we don't want to put a minor child in a position and create systems that encourage minor children mm-hmm. to make medical decisions for themselves that they don't have the maturity to make. So I thank you so much for doing that dive on that. And, you know, we need to we need to keep following that up, maybe yeah. have you on for a full episode if there, as you begin to reveal things and, and if you could let us know maybe in the future what the current stance is so we know where to take action, mm-hmm. what to do. Do you foresee in Tennessee that we would need some legislation? To- yes. Okay. Already, because we know just from looking at all the district plans that every single district in every state had to submit these district plans as part of the ARP Act requirements. Mm-hmm. And in Tennessee, Um, we've looked at all the districts and they're all complying in exchange for the money. They're all doing it. And, and what is it that they're putting in these plans that they're saying they're going to do? Is it masking? It's it's not just that. And that's the thing people think, Oh, well, they, they took the masks off. We can all go back to Mm -hmm. our normal lives, but it's much more than that because over the last two years, COVID the government has has used COVID to shut down the schools, to isolate the kids, to send them home, to 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 basically create this giant learning loss, but also this huge emotional loss. Mm-hmm. And now the government is trying to swoop in and be the savior of the day mm-hmm. by saying, oh, you know that little problem that we created? Well, maybe it's a big problem, but we're going to fix it. And that's the last thing that parents want. But, you know, the worst part of it is that they are really going after what they consider low-hanging fruit, and that's the um, the communities that have, you know, the the lowest income and the kids mm-hmm. who who depend on the meals at school. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really going after giving the most money to those communities. And basically bribing them to go along with all of their yeah. plans. There was something recently 
from the federal government. And I don't remember what it was, but it's like, okay, if you don't do this, we're not going to pay for school, the federal oh, program. To that pay was for lunches. letting boys into girls' personal spaces. Oh. They were going to cut all funding to school food programs. They were going to starve children because right. of a political ideology. And they're doing it. It's not that they're going to do it. They're doing oh, it. Oh, did, it didn't go away? They're, no, they're implementing still, this? It is still an issue. And it's not just for schools. Yeah. It's also, yeah. it's also there are a lot of punishments and incentives mm -hmm. for businesses as well. Yeah. So if you go to work in an office and suddenly there's no women's bathroom and there's guys standing in the, in the stall when you go to the bathroom, that's what we're looking at. It's oh. the same thing. Wow. It's, and it's, that's bad. And it's global yeah. across America. Yeah. And I just have to say, and I know it sounds like I'm being a bit hypocritical here because I just said, I don't think school should be for reading, writing, arithmetic, just learning and mm -hmm. other entities, other places or other things are appropriate. But I do support um, school lunches for, you know, kids who need subsidized school lunches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes they have the breakfast because I, I don't know why for, for me, that's a different thing, making yeah. sure that these, that kids have food and in the United States, uh, no kid should go uh, without a, a good meal. And I think that some of these programs have been really helpful. I think um, if schools had to choose though, there are enough churches in our community and enough parents that, that would step in and they would yeah. make lunches for kids and Wait, yeah. deliver them. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be government funded Right. Food. In fact, right. probably like the church lunches and the local lunches would be better. There are too many rules and regulations about what you can serve. And they're and so anyway. they're not usually yeah. healthy. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if, if get rid of the rules that says because like some schools, they don't even let you like make something homemade to bring to the classroom mm -hmm. to share with the kids. It has to be store bought and packaged and, yeah. and sanitized. And that's I think absurd. we might have found a, a workaround for that, though, is if. If you make the lunches, because we, we actually talk to com smaller communities that m are thinking about doing this, and if they make the lunches and they're off school property and they put them in paper bags and, you know, if some of them have allergies, like this is for somebody with a peanut allergy and mm -hmm. all that, and then they leave it on a table and then the kids come out and they cross off school property and they pick it up themselves off a table, then it, it's okay for some reason that skirts all of those regulations. It's, about. it's absurd the gymnastics we have I to go know. to, to just give feed kids to feed kids. But yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're working it out, aren't we though, as a society, it's really interesting how difficult it is to be human, how difficult mm -hmm. it is to set up societies that we all agree are just and, um, and, equitable to to borrow a term that's way overused right now and and kind and um and appropriate you're using that word in the old-fashioned i am i'm a very old-fashioned girl me too <laughs> and, and you know that word used to have the best definition and they've just completely destroyed I don't it, i don't want them to destroy the, the yeah. good words just like you know i recently read a post of a of a person who's a dear friend of mine, but we're polar opposites right now on so many topics, but she's a good soul. I think that I'm a good soul and I think we'll find our way, you know, to, so to get too. through this. We've got lines of communication open, but recently she posted that she has not, and it shocked me, like, um, uh, sung the national anthem or, you know, 
honored the flag or anything like that in years because she is so appalled at what America is doing in many aspects. We should buy and, her a ticket to go to another country. No, no, no. So, so, but here's the thing. When, when somebody you know and love yeah. takes that position, you try really hard to figure out what they're trying to say and do. And I sort of understand that, yes, the United States has done some horrific things. The United mm-hmm. States right now is doing awful things. And I look at like the COVID jab and how it's forced being forced on so many people, not just here, but globally. America, our government, some government entities have done some things I completely am appalled with and disagree with. However, I believe in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I know that we're doing bad things, but I, I believe every time I, you know, say I pledge of allegiance and I um, see the fireworks and, and hear the national anthem, I think about the ideals of what our founding fathers stood for, you know, what civil rights activists stood for, what all these great people stood for. That's what I want this country to be. And that's what I salute. Not the bad stuff, but I want us to come back. I want the U.S. to be this great kind, Mm -hmm. just, benevolent benevolent place where freedom uh, reigns. And, you know, I want all of that. And that's the country that I honor. Um, And I want to try to fix it. Me too. And that's my route. And and I'm hoping to have a conversation with her to help her understand how this is my route to bringing, Mm. hoping to restore this great nation. Well, I think a lot of people, I know for me, I've had to separate the United States, uh, my America from the government. Yeah. I've had to separate them because if I were to just look at what the government does, I would probably hate my country too. Right. So I've had to separate that because I don't consider our government right now, even on a state level. Yeah. They're not America. No, no, we, we, the people are America. Right. And what's interesting in, in this country, a lot of Americans are able to make that, that mental division for Mm -hmm. other countries. Like you look at the government of Australia and you know how they have really just been so awful with the lockdowns and everything that they have done all through COVID. Um, And even prior to that, there's a lot of stuff. They don't have a constitution in Australia the way we do here and no bill of rights. And, um, but we've always like, you can love the Australian people, people, even if you disagree with their government Um, during Mm -hmm. world war II, you could love the German people, Mm -hmm. but completely hate the current government that was doing these horrendous things. We love the Russian people. Mm -hmm. We don't, love Putin and the things that he is doing. Right. So we, we have, we are seem like as a nation, we're able to look and separate some of us, the are. government from the people. Right. Mm-hmm. Some, I think, I think, the, I think the a people lot who can't are the ones that are yeah. having such a hard time. You can't. Yeah. And, and so I think we need to learn as a nation to do that more here, separate the greatness of the American people, the greatness of, of the, of our roots and what we stand for, separate that from government actions. It would be really nice if our politicians and our media would stop trying to force people to fight with each other over these things. Yes. But they're yeah. they're the ones who are constantly drilling yeah. into people's heads that, you know, 
this is this is your country. Yeah. No, it's not. It's the government. It's yeah. not our country. No, we need open dialogue. And I tell you, I'm in this great little town in East Tennessee where I live now. And um, we got bad well water. So I've been going to the laundromat so I don't wash our clothes in the bad water. But I meet the most interesting people. And I met this gentleman the other day and we got to talk. And I can't remember what I, I had on a shirt or something. So we got on the conversation of COVID and the shots. And and he says, well, I've, I've had mine. Have you had yours? And I said, oh, no. you know." <laughs> so we got into this great conversation. And even though we didn't agree on certain subjects, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it, was, it was passionate, but very friendly and very civil. And at the end of it, he's like, I like you. And I'm like, well, I like you. That was the old days. Yeah, yeah. Like 2015? Yeah. Was, yeah, that was the old days. Yes. I'm going to tell my grandkids about that someday. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2015, yeah. we could have conversations, conversations with people like we disagreed that. with. And, and, and we, we found, didn't want to kill each other. No, we found some common ground. And, and my grandkids are going to go, no, no that's yeah. impossible. Yeah, no, <laughs> them are evil. No, you can't talk to those people. That never happened. No. Okay, so. I get, let, let's bring it back. That this is fantastic. So a lot still going on with the schools that we have to gear up to fight against. Let's talk about what's going on with the federal money. Um, so give us give us an introduction to the federal money and COVID. Okay. For hospitals. So while we were working on you know the white paper and um, putting together presentations to help educate people about what's going on in, in schools that's being fed by all this billions and billions of dollars going into schools. Um, We started getting a lot of calls for helping COVID patients in hospitals. And there seemed to be a pattern we noticed really early in 2021. Um, Even back in 2020, we were hearing rumblings about uh, people being isolated and their families not being allowed in. And, um, and I have a degree in healthcare administration. And even though I was never a hospital administrator, to me, that was the highest calling outside of actually being a doctor in a hospital, because you're, you are the caretaker of everything that happens in those mm-hmm. walls. But the things that we were hearing in 2020, and then we started seeing with our own eyes in 2021, shook me to my core. And um, so the very next thing that we did was we established uh, an advocacy group called the Adam Group. And it was COVID education, teaching people how to prevent COVID, um, the supplements to take, the different things that you could do to stay out of the hospital, um, how to treat COVID at home. And then there was a, a section of, of our work that dealt with um, advocacy for people who had a loved one in a hospital or they were in a hospital and they were having this uh, National uh, Institute of Health, these NIH protocols shoved down their throat. They were being isolated. They had no rights. Everything was just upside down. The kind of things that we were hearing about and then experiencing before COVID would have resulted in the most outrageous lawsuits mm-hmm. and probably <clears throat> having the funding guts ripped out of hospitals. Yeah. You were witnessing before your very eyes and so many people across the nation, patients, bill of rights, all of those things that are numerated, absolutely violated. Yeah. And explain what you discovered, we why discovered you were witnessing that. 
Well, the, the first tip off that there was something very, very wrong with the Bill of Rights for patients in hospitals um, was a, a hospital in Chattanooga actually told us and a family that they do not have a patient Bill of Rights. Every single hospital in America, if you look at hmm. their website, yeah. every time you go to a hospital, when you're there in admitting, they give you a package. It usually has information about how to access the patient portal so that you and your loved ones can see what's going on. Full mm -hmm. transparency. You get your patient bill of rights. You get your um, page showing how you can file complaints. And that just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to know why. So one of the most important things that we discovered was that um, hospitals received waivers from CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Every hospital in America that takes Medicare and Medicaid that gets reimbursed by them <clears throat> received hundreds of waivers. And we found these waivers and we were so appalled by some of these these would have never, ever been. And keep in mind that CMS is not uh, a regulatory agency, and yet they were allowed, they were weaponized by the Department of Health and Human Services, which this is where the CARES Act, the bad part comes in, and they were funded by the CARES Act and the CRRSA Act in mm -hmm. December of 2020 um, to do these things. And they were weaponized to tell hospitals, you no longer have to have a patient rights bill. You don't have to give it to them. You don't have to abide by it. All of your visitation policies, done. You don't need those anymore. As long as there is a public health emergency on a federal level, and there still is since early 2020, mm -hmm. um, these CMS waivers stand. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and it it is there's a lot of there are a lot of waivers that are very disturbing, like leaving patients alone without food or water, because uh, in their mind, you know, COVID was going to devastate mm -hmm. um, hospital populations, mm -hmm. and there were going to be so many patients that you would just have to put a COVID patient in a room and and let them sit in their own waste for two days. Wow! And we actually got pictures from family members of their loved ones lying in their own feces for two days, no food or water, or they would bring a tray of food in with water and they would put it on the other side of the room and they would leave and they would, and they would come back the next day and take the tray. But the patient is restrained in the bed and sedated. And so they can't even reach the food. It, it seems like this can't be real, yeah. but we know it's real because you've got eyewitnesses and you yeah. witnessed yeah. some of this yourself. Yeah, and unbelievable. I, you know, I got a phone call from a woman out in Washington state whose mother passed away from um, COVID protocols in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, and then her, her dear father got the shot, was coerced into getting the shot and immediately started having um, really bad reactions. Um, mm. The nerve pain and the neurological stuff going on. Um, so much of what she was describing to me are the things that you revealed were incentivized to right. do. Mm -hmm. And she said that the doctors at the hospital told her that we are not allowed. It is illegal right. to veer from these protocols. And I said, that's not true. Not, There's language legal, in right? there. So, right. and I couldn't remember the exact 
quote, you, you know, the quote from the NNIH, it says, these are just recommendations, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. These so, are not mandates. Mm -hmm. It says, so if you go to the NIH protocols for the treatment of inpatient COVID in hospitals, um, you will see an introduction. And at the very last paragraph of the very last page of the introduction, there is a, there is a little, a little, uh, section there called evolving knowledge. And if you read that, if you've lost somebody in a hospital, you are angry because it says right there that nothing in this guideline should be considered a mandate mm -hmm. and that doctors should, should attempt to use everything out there and, the, yeah. and including off-label ivermectin, HCQ, right. including off-label things. Yeah. And, and then the final paragraph, it says, uh, that it is up to the doctor and the patient to decide what the course of treatment is. Yeah. So these are the words from the NIH, right. but because those words were not incentivized, but their guidelines were incentivized, which is the remdesivir and the venting and all the other things. And it used to be sedation. So let's talk about the fact that you found that, um, some of the language has changed. Yeah, over the, over the period of, of the last two years that these NIH protocols have been in existence, we've um, we've kind of watched the shift in the language in there because we go in and we update our footnotes on our white paper, and um, we notice that there are things that shift a lot. They mm -hmm. add a lot of things, they take out a lot of things, and just in the last couple months, we noticed that they took out everything about sedation and there used to be on page six in the last version she knows the page i know the pages <laughs> believe me yeah. yeah page page 31 is where that introduction part about the evolving knowledge okay. sometimes it's page 33 yeah. because of stuff they add and move but yeah we know the we know the page yeah numbers. and i need to find that again because <laughs> i want to send it to that woman who called me because she needs that yeah, yeah, but they used to have a listing of all of the sedation that they recommended for COVID patients. And there were six or seven of them. And what we know from looking at medical records and from talking to patient families is that often, almost always, they used multiple sedation methods, fentanyl, Presidex, mm -hmm. propofol, mm -hmm. morphine that they would load these patients up with so much sedation. But now in the latest version of the NIH protocols, there is not a single mention of these, this list of sedatives, but they do have a section that addresses um, it's, it's about just like three or four paragraphs, very minor. And they've, they've softened it to the point where if you read the NIH protocols for the first time today, you're almost thinking, oh, well, this isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. But the remdesivir and the dexamethasone at the incredibly low and useless level, the ventilators, and now, you know, all the new drugs that they've introduced that have so many horrible side effects, yeah. they're still hitting those really hard in the NIH protocols. Wow. And I've got to think that, you know, the government watches what, you know, the high wire mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. CHD TV. Yep, that's right. And, show. Yeah, I don't know about my show, but maybe they probably watch all, all of it. They listen to it. They listen to what's being said in these interviews. They probably have heard um, the story of our amazing grace. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I, first name, um, I've just Scott gone Shara. Scott Shar. Yeah. Love him. Such I a dear too. man. We got to meet him in person and hug him. What God, a dear man. Wonderful. We love Grace. Um, we're keeping Grace in our hearts. And I love that Grace now has a face because I've been saying yeah. that I can go forward in life with Grace. And now we've got Grace. But um, oh, I completely forgot where I uh, was going with that. The um, government watching. And they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they watching. They so, know people are outraged. <clears throat> And they know that we're onto them and we've had enough. And but, people have actually stopped going to the hospital yeah. in droves because mm -hmm. it's almost like we hit a critical mass at about the end of February this year. Um, suddenly the Adam group stopped getting 75 to hundred emails and phone calls a day, which is what we were getting wow. every day. Wow. And we couldn't even keep up with it. Yeah. But suddenly it just, it's like somebody turned off a faucet. And we finally reached that critical mass where you went online, you looked at social media, you talked to people, and they all said the same thing. Don't go to the hospital. Don't go to the hospital. I know. Yeah. I was so relieved. Yeah. But I think that the government, um, and that coincided, of course, with the release of the outpatient remdesivir mm -hmm. pill, mm -hmm. which we all know is a gateway drug to get people back into the hospital. Mm -hmm. And that's when they released that. Yeah. And these other, um, you know, new drugs like Paxlovid yeah. and all new Piravir, things that are just yeah. horrible. So I want to put a reminder out there. I, I say this often. Right now, while you are not sick, go search your community for a like-minded health professional to be your partner. Right. Should you get sick, you have somebody immediately to call. You know somebody it's a good resource that we yeah. use? It's called DPC Mapper. DPC mapper. mapper and okay. that stands for direct primary care DPC mapper. Okay. And if you just go on any search engine and you put DPC mapper in, mm -hmm. you're going to get a website and you put in your city or your zip code and it will show you on a map little dots where every single direct primary care doctor is or clinic or uh, you know, individual, and you can click on those and you can see all the information, what their hours are, what kind of insurance mm -hmm. they take, everything about that. And that is a great place to start finding a okay. direct primary care doctor. Um, do you think even, you know, a lot of doctors are now leaving hospitals, leaving major clinics, they're going out on their own. Um, would those be listed as well? Do you think in that system? If, if they, if they sign up with DPC mapper, okay. then they'll be on there. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. it's all all the all the different yeah. people I see on there. People who and and you can go to the uh, America's Frontline Doctors yeah. AFLDS.org yep. website. Mm -hmm. Go to flccc.net. Yes, to um, you know those wonderful doctors. They've got pages there where they list a lot mm -hmm. of their affiliates. A lot and of myfreedoctor.com. Myfreedoctor.com is a good excellent. one. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, the great people at AFLDS and FLCCC um, are, part of are part of that. Yeah. yeah some really mm -hmm. great systems. But the important thing is when you're well, this is when you find your health care partners, That's your right. professionals, because the minute you get sick, um, you want to be able to make that phone call. If you, if you are having symptoms that you don't feel safe treating yourself, you want that person, yeah. you want them to be able to prescribe to you what you want. Um, and, and talk to you about what next steps are, you know, we know more is coming. We know we've got all kinds of things that are being hinted at, you know, suddenly it's so weird, isn't it? In 2022, suddenly the human species is so vulnerable and we can't handle environmental right. 
diseases anymore. I guess all what that dirt and bugs I ate as a kid was for nothing. Was cause... for nothing. Actually, the problem is the dirt nowadays is like she pronounces it glyphosate. I oh, call yeah. it glyphosate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything is now toxic, and all so the we, bugs have we have heavy just, metals. And, we've destroyed yeah. our biome and our environment, but. Um, uh, yeah, so get that healthcare practitioner lined up so you'll know what you, you're going to do. And then you're going to be able to sleep easier and rest easier knowing that whatever they throw at us next, <clears throat> you know, you you will have your healthcare kit at home. You've got your professional on speed dial and you've got a network with your family and friends and like-minded people about how you're all going to help each other, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, you're good you, to go. What else, something else people need to know is that uh, COVID is multiphasic and depending on where you are, unlike the NIH protocol, it's not a one size fits all. No, you can't just go buy a tube of horse paste and squeeze it in your mouth and just, you know, no. hit the road. <laughs> you just can't do that. I mean, there's, there are different phases to COVID and depending on what phase you're in, you're going to need different, a different approach. And what, yeah. And, and whatever next virus comes along and everything. But the beauty is as we all begin to learn how wonderful our immune systems are, how they work, how to support our immune systems. We're going to be able to get through all this. Like last hour, we were talking about that glutathione, mm-hmm. glutathione, spirulina, all mm-hmm. these beautiful mm-hmm. foods, detox, all the acid, so many, yeah. so many good things. Um, so we've, we've got this, we still have this federal money right. incentivizing dangerous protocols. You want to talk about the money, money? Um, like, the yeah. nitty gritty of the money. Let's talk a little bit about the nitty gritty of the money. And then I want to talk about what we can do. What steps should we begin taking to, to first to block it from harming us and next to stop it and then prevent it from happening again. So here we go. Nitty gritty okay. money. So what we discovered was that, um, in 2020, early 2020, not just the CMS waivers, but, uh, but there was a new ICD code set up just for COVID. And we know that ICD-10. And then there were something called DRGs, and that's diagnosis-related related groups. And this is nothing new, really. I mean, it's and it's used in other industries. If you take your car to a mechanic, they're going to plug it into a computer. It's going to give them a code. That code's going to tell them, here's probably what's wrong with the car. These are the things you need to do to fix it. And here's how much you charge. There's your bill. Boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what a DRG is. Mm-hmm. And, and they established hundreds of DRGs for all types of COVID diagnoses. And this is important because yes. these codes are how you bill. Mm-hmm. So every time mm-hmm. you can use a code with a patient, it means you get to tap into whatever fees and charges right. that you can have for the reimbursements. So yeah, okay. and you can and you can layer DRGs. So for instance, you know, uh, a simple COVID DRG will get the hospital reimbursed nine thousand dollars, but if that if that uh, patient also has uh, pneumonia, then that's another. $7,000, for instance, I'm not looking at it. So I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is right now. But, um, but if, if there's, um, you know, ARDS, the, uh, the respiratory distress syndrome, that's another five or $6,000. If the patient has AIDS, that's another 
uh, $28,000. And so they can add the DRGs up as the COVID patient progresses through the illness until eventually, you know, dialysis happens and that's a huge DRG reimbursement. And then the ventilator people, you hear people throwing out this $40,000, um, ventilator cost or, or reimbursement. But really what we found was the DRG. There are two DRGs for um, the ventilator. One of them is for a payment of $18,000 for less than 96 hours on a vent. And if the patient is on a vent 96 hours or more, it's just under $40,000. Wow. Right. And so what we found was that the average inpatient COVID treatment uh, ran about $293,000 so, for reimbursement. $293,000. And this is above and is this above and beyond the per admission, the, you know, what the hospital needed mm-hmm. to, you know, spend to actually care for the patient. This is like bonuses, incentives. Yeah. It's, that's the reimbursements for following those DRGs. Now here's, here's the, here's the kicker. And they still had to pay for the drug and, and for the doctor administering yeah, it get, and all of that, mm-hmm. right? This is yep. just, they get reimbursed for all of that. And the COVID test alone can start at $20 reimbursement and end up being close to $1,600, depending on if that, if that COVID patient takes a test and it's positive and it ends up in admission, it's, it's a little more each time. So there's that cost, but then there's also the per admission reimbursement and Tennessee gets $166,000 for every COVID admission. Um, West Virginia gets $471,000 for every COVID admission. Yeah. So it, 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 depends on the state and that is based on the per admission reimbursement was based on the previous year's Medicare and Medicaid submissions from that state, which is Mm -hmm. why West Virginia got so much more because they have way more Medicaid and Medicare patients. But here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. And this is where the big money came in. And this connects to what your friend told you happened to her family and what we saw hundreds and hundreds of times across America. If they follow the DRGs exactly and they don't deviate, they get the DRG bonus of 20%. Mm -hmm. And that's 20% on the total bill for that patient. So if it's $293, I'm bad at math, but it's 20%. 293,000. 293,000. So let's say 10% would be another um, 29,300. So Mm -hmm. 20, so let's make that 30. So an extra $60,000. And if they, there's an an additional 20% bonus that we discovered accidentally that is uh, basically, the it's a new, it's called um, CTAP, CTAP bonus, and it's basically new drugs. So if they can introduce like molnupiravir, Paxlovid, um, any of the other new drugs that have come to market that are EUA or even approved, if they can squeeze those in, then mm-hmm. they get an additional 20% on top of all that. So there's two 20% mm-hmm. bonuses. Wow. And so, I mean, remdesivir alone over the course of COVID could make a hospital $5 million. Wow. And here's, here's what we found. When we started looking at the annual audits of hospitals for 2020, 21, mm-hmm. and, and then we'll see 22s as well, nearly every hospital we looked at operated in the red up to 2020. 
And suddenly in 2020, 2021, they have so much money that now we're seeing press releases and all of these uh, reports of hospitals that have multi-million dollar expansion projects and and uh, they're bringing in new equipment and new people mm-hmm. and they're claiming, wow, we, despite COVID, look yeah. how well we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so our federal government figured out how to print money. They just keep pushing print, print, print. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So big, ugly problem that harms people along the way. So I'm wondering, can this be addressed at the state level? What are you seeing and what do you, or can you yet see solutions to first stopping it and then preventing it from happening again? We would have had that in the Patient Bill of Rights Act that was killed before it was even heard here in Tennessee. Yeah. And, um, and and after looking at who gives money to the people on that health subcommittee, yeah. it's really easy to yeah. see why they killed it because yeah. they are raking in so much money from these special interests. There was a real problem with that bill, though. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was the first rough draft, as it were, yeah. it had a lot of problems of things like I, even I could see like, no, I disagree with that. Unfortunately, that first version of the bill got sent out. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's ever worked with the legislature during session right. knows that they they have no time to read anything. Yep. So a lot of them were under the impression that the bill before them, when it finally got to committee, mm-hmm. was similar to the first draft and so much had changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it it didn't even, they didn't even get a second to, um, yeah. to hear it. And that's a shame. And, yeah. you know, I guess- um, They could have massaged that bill and really worked it. I think, But yeah. you know something? This is what we found. The, la- the special session they had in November- mm-hmm. They could have addressed this with our hospitals here in Tennessee then. Mm-hmm. And between the time they left special session in November until our session started in January, 5,000 more Tennesseans died. Wow. And in the time it took them to not do anything with this in Tennessee, mm-hmm. by the time our General Assembly ended this last time, two, almost 2,000 more people died. Wow. That's like the population of... Right. A lot of towns in Tennessee. Right. So we do need much. We we do need good legislation, yeah. well drafted for patients' bill of rights in every state. Every state needs this. Mm-hmm. We need that to pass. Um, we need to get that going. And hopefully this next year we'll be able to do that. Oklahoma. We need yeah. Oklahoma has a bill called the No Patient Left Alone Bill. Oh, and yeah. It's, and it can be, it is for even during a pandemic, even during an epidemic, it's for mm-hmm. every type of healthcare facility. Mm-hmm. It's for even ICU and a patient can have 24 uh, seven their advocate with them wow. by their side. And that's it, a law in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. We need that here. We need that in every state. So even as that happens though, that's like a Band-Aid and it's a Band-Aid that not everybody knows to utilize. Not everybody's got loved ones who can go rotate through and be on 24-hour watch to to stop medical errors or stop these incentivized things from happening. And then a lot of people just still trust the system, unfortunately, and they're going to be harmed from it. So even as we try at every state to bring in these patients' bills of rights for individuals, we have to stop the federal incentive 
Right. We have to stop the dominance. We have to stop the pharmaceutical industry capturing the entire medical. It's become an industry. Right. It, it needs to be go the get back to the noble roots. Pharmaceutical and medical industries are the fourth arm of our government. Yeah. Right now. And, and, but you know, one, I, I don't remember it, it shifts around a little bit. One of the leading causes of death in the United States, it's in the top three, is exposure to properly taken pharmaceutical drugs, mm-hmm. not overdose or mis, misdosage mm-hmm. or deadly whatever, side effects, deadly, side, deadly effects. side effects mm-hmm. of, of drugs. And then we've got medical errors It mm-hmm. is always in the top three. This medical industry is not serving humankind. To, well, um, you know, medical schools are pumping out pharmaceutical reps. Yeah. They're not training doctors like Dr. Flavin. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where she got her training or who was her mentor, but God bless them because there are, there are a lot of doctors like her that we work with in Tennessee that we work with all over the United States. But until medical schools stop birthing out, you know, millions of, of pharmaceutical reps instead of doctors, then we're never going to get past this. Well, but the pharmaceutical industry and the, um, the device industry, there's a lot of components Mm -hmm. into the, a lot of people make a lot of money, uh, from people being unwell and keeping them unwell. That's right. (laughs) And and, don't find a cure for cancer now. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 You're pushing the envelope Um, there. So, so, all of them, though, right, like Dr. Flavin was saying, that the, the science, most of it is bad science, and yeah. it's funded for a purpose, and it's written for a purpose mm-hmm. to for somebody's bottom line. But they control the textbooks, what's mm-hmm. in the published mm-hmm. scientific journals. And the scientists. The, the curriculum. The people who write the, the articles. Right. The, yeah. And the curriculum um, in the medical schools and in the um, – and, you know, that's – I don't want to put words in her mouth, but when she, you know, Dr. Flavin said that she was so angry when she found out that vitamins have this potent yeah. action and they can heal because I think she felt so betrayed yeah, by the system. Why didn't she didn't tell us her. that? Yeah. I'm trying to save patients and you're giving me these drugs with all these side effects and I could have just given them vitamin A. Are you kidding me? We meet right? doctors like this all yeah. the time who came over from the dark side yeah, yeah. because it's like they just woke up one day and they realized what we're doing is yeah. we're killing people. Yeah. And I just can't do this anymore. Right. So we, we need, okay, there's this layer. We need to educate the public like on an informed mm-hmm. life radio so that individuals know to be armed, to pay attention, to do their medical due diligence, to protect each other. We need at the state level, patients, bills of rights and different, and, and let doctors be doctor's bills mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. doctors can do their art. Yeah. Um, and keep these keep these agencies like the the medical boards out of out patient of, care. Right. The relationship between a doctor and a patient that is sacred. Mm-hmm. And for medical boards to get involved and threaten to take licenses away because my doctor has a personal relationship with me yeah. and he decides and I decide what's best. Right. That. No, that has to stop. Right. That exactly has to stop. And so we need to free up doctors to be doctors. And then above that, we the, the hardest nut to crack here, of course, is the federal system. Yeah. And, and yeah. one of the easiest really ways to to fix the wrongs is just to sort of dissolve them. 
So if we, if we could get, but here's the problem, even if we were to take back the House and the Senate, and even when we had a Republican president, they don't do anything. No, but, but the, really a whole new system needs to be put in place. And that's yeah. where I need to have um, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack mm-hmm. back on because he's got a plan B. And plan B has to do with how medicine needs to be researched and regulated moving forward, what we need to do so that we have ethical, moral science mm-hmm. for the people, by the people, to serve the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of these three-letter agencies that really are not serving us. I mean, it, it's so bold and so blatant. They're serving if, stockholders. If the yeah. FDA and the CDC will grant approval for and promote the use of the COVID-19 shots in babies. There is nothing, nothing that they would not approve because, right? That's the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. Treatments exist, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, Statistically, zero chance of dying if you're in this age group. And yes, my heart aches for anybody who has lost a child to COVID. I don't mean to undermine anybody's loss, but you know, were they given early treatment? We can't. What what about heart disease and diabetes and right. Yeah. All this other stuff, but, but the most dangerous injection with no long-term studies and these horrific studies they did on the children where they, they crossed over unblinding and basically, you know, switching over the kid, kids who got the placebo, then we're given the vaccine at six yep. weeks. Yep. Oh, I can't believe we're up against the clock. I wasn't paying any attention. Okay. Well, AJ DePriest, thank you so much. It's thank lovely you. being here with you. Um, everybody deep breath, go hug a tree. Dr. Flavin knows why. Um, we're going to get through this together. We're going to have a health revolution. You've been listening to an Inform Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We'll see you next week. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than the Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people by the people who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? 
If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.